Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Welcome. Thanks for listening today. Uh, it's a real pleasure to have back uh, Russ Givens, who's a chief market analyst for Wealth Empire. He advises subscribers on traditional and alternative wealth building strategies, and his service, the 13F Insider, tracks the trading activity of top hedge fund managers in order to find high conviction investment opportunities. He's also a former broker, advisor, and educator in the financial markets for J.P. Morgan Chase and Regal Securities. So. Uh, again, Russ Givens, um, you've joined us before. It was a very interesting interview. We had a lot of a lot of talk about that. And now we got something else to talk about. Welcome to join. Welcome to us uh, the show today, and thanks for joining us. Bill, thanks so much for having me back on. Always a pleasure to be on your show. So uh, we're taping this on September second, September actually September third, um, and uh, the market's been kind of a little dicey the last couple of weeks and. Uh, last time we were on, you talked about how you were tracking some of the activities to come up with your suggestions of some of the major hedge fund traders and other major institutional investors. So you were basically standing on the shoulders of some very um, uh, healthy uh, research. Um, what What's going on now? What are, you, what are you finding now? Well, I mean, I haven't seen any mass exodus. You know, we're not in a situation where we're going to see another 2008 and the markets are crashing and you know, everyone's getting out of stocks. It's not that kind of situation. Um, you know, really, what we've had is just an exaggeration of so a few things going on. You know, and a lot of it is 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 overhyped by the media and just caused a panic. What happens in the market? People don't realize there's so many of these you know supercomputers and algorithmic traders out there. That as soon as the market moves by a certain percentage, all these computer programs start firing off sell order, sell order, sell order by the you know millions of shares, and it becomes kind of this domino effect. That's why you see the market. You know, we had a few days, a couple of weeks ago, where the market was just moving, you know, 100 points, 100 points down the S and P, and then back up 80 points and getting kind of crazy. But you know, look, any any investor who take, has a long term approach to the market. And is looking at it from a rational basis, uh, like myself, just using this as a buying opportunity to get into some great companies we want to own at at better prices. And that's that's really the the best way to approach it. So, um, based on your um, outlook, it's uh, a lot of it's uh, dealt from from technology and trade orders that are automatically programmed, and uh, it's not a panic situation by any means. No, I don't think so. I mean, you know, if you think if you look at the news, you know, we've been hearing a lot of pundits talk for a while about, you know, is this market going to pull back? Is it going to crash? Are we do a do a retracement? You know, if you go back and look at the stock market over a hundred year period, almost never does it go straight up for five years like we've experienced. Um, it generally has these healthy ten or fifteen percent pullbacks when things go a little bit too far. It's just part of the natural market cycle. Well, we haven't had one of those in a long time. And so what happens is a lot of that fear and angst and everyone's kind of tension, is it going to fall, is it going to go down, gets built up. 
And then as soon as there's any kind of a catalyst, some event that triggers something, and someone says, that's it, I knew it, here's the event I've been looking for, and they sell, and everyone kind of piggybacks that, and the domino effect happens. And, you know, it was really a couple of things, mainly China. You know, their market began to crash, although um, it was up 150% the year prior, so it needed to pull back some. And, you know, everyone started saying, oh, China's shrinking, their economy's not growing. The real number is everyone expected China to grow at 10% this year, which is huge, and instead they're growing at 7 which is still huge. You know, it's just less than expected. But again, I mean, the news comes out. People don't really know how to uh, – don't dig in and analyze it very well at first. And it's, it's again, it's just any kind of a trigger that it starts that panic. And um, we we haven't seen consistent selling. Usually when it happens really fast in a couple of days like this, it's it, it's over and done with. Um, so no, I, I don't think we're in a panic. I don't think we're in a really overvalued state. We're going to see continual sell-offs. Uh, again, I'm just using this opportunity to, to to pick up some good stocks at decent prices. Yeah, it, sound, it sounds like there's some buying opportunities out there. Now, one of the things that's of course is different from even 10 years ago and 20 years ago, much less 100 years ago, is just the impact of technology on some of these things and some of these triggers that have been built in, uh, you know, as people. As there is some kind of a catalyst event, and maybe maybe some people are nervous or whatever, and they pull back. Um, could there be a meltdown because of technology? Is is that is that factored in? Is, are there? Tell, tell our average listener out there uh, what what technology's role in this, and what the, what are the stop gaps to say? Wait a minute, time out. Yeah, so okay, so you know, if you look back even 10 years ago, but really 20, 30 years ago, you know, most of most trading was done in what's called the trading pits, right? And that's the pictures we see of, you know, 100 guys on the floor yelling and screaming and holding up sell tickets. That's what it used to be, you know, when you placed an order to buy a stock, it went on the phone to a guy in New York, called down to this guy on the floor and he placed an order and it was on handwritten. Well, that's largely gone today and most of it is done electronically. So it's good in the fact that it's a lot cheaper. You know, instead of paying one percent commissions, we can trade stocks for you know seven ninety five. Uh, execution is almost immediate. I can get a position in three seconds versus it taking three hours a while ago. But the downside is you're giving that technology a lot of power in the markets. And so you know, if someone programs the right piece of code or sets off the right you know algorithm. It can trigger everyone else's fears, and that's kind of what we what we saw in that flash crash back several years ago that happened, you know, in one day and then went right back up. And mm-hmm. what's happened in the last couple of weeks here? We had, you know, two maybe three days of really intense selling down, um, and the market essentially popped right back up to where it was. So there are stop gaps in place. There's uh, what's called limit down in the markets that if you know the index moves say five percent down, all trading will halt for a number of hours, and if it goes you know, 7.5% down, it'll stop for the day um, to, to, to avoid any kind of a 1929-type absolute you know, day meltdown. But generally, it, the market tends to correct itself. You know, For every one of these, these robotic computers out there that are just firing off sell orders out there, there's another team of guys with a supercomputer, and their job is to find opportunities. You know, So if they think, hey, this stock's worth $20, and all of a sudden it flashes down to 15 their computer jumps in and buys a bunch of it and it shoots it back up so it kind of keeps itself in balance you know really the things people worry about as far as these you know computer generated sell-offs and panics and things most of them are short-lived and and you know instead of trying to control that and and uh 
you know, get on the inside of. We have to just accept the game we're playing, accept the rules that are in place, and use them to our advantage. And I think the easiest way to do that is say, hey, I like Apple at 120. Something crazy happened in the market for two days, and now it's at 95 bucks. I'm going to get in and take advantage of that. And it's it, it's really the mm-hmm. the safest way to go about it, I think. Mm-hmm. And so that that's one of the, the stocks that you see has some great uh, buying potential now uh, in this you know in this kind of minor correction that we've seen is Apple and you said General Motors is also looking pretty good. Um, what uh, from the institutional investor standpoint, so they stand ready to purchase when uh, I guess it's kind of like uh, the old saying when the when the market's fearful be greedy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're you're right on the money there. As, you know, Warren Buffett is famous for saying, you know, you need to be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. And really, what he means by that, you know, when we get a markets are just taken off and can't go down and higher and higher and higher, everybody really wants to get in, and that's when you should really be careful. Versus, you know, you get in a situation like we had a couple of weeks ago, or you get a you know 2008 2009 situation. In hindsight, those are the best opportunities to buy. And you know, when I look at stocks, it's really funny. I mean, I've studied the markets for years and years, and I've worked with thousands of traders and investors, and I never really understood it, but People shop for stocks differently than they do anything else in their life. You know, if you found your dream house, for instance, and it's it's for sale for three hundred thousand dollars, you're not ready to spend that much money. A month later, it's listed at two fifty, then it's marked down to two hundred, and it's marked down to one fifty. Eventually, you say, "Look, this is insane. This is it, it's too cheap. It's too good of a deal. I've just got to jump on it and buy it." And the same thing goes if you're buying a car, you're buying a new suit or a dress or a handbag or anything else. But when we look at stocks, everyone takes it the exact opposite approach. The more something goes up in price, the more people want to own it. And the more it goes down in price, the less they want to own it. That's just a it's a natural flaw uh that human beings have because we're so kind of brainwashed by seeing these charts of stocks that go up and up and up. And we don't realize that, you know, if you look at you know, take someone like Warren Buffett, who's one of the greatest investors of all time, most of the stocks he owns now he didn't buy because they were going up. He bought them after they came down, or after they suffered, you know, some temporary bad news or the market corrected. You know, he was he made huge bets in '08 and '09. The market would go higher. Profited something like 3.2 billion dollars on a bullish bet against the market, and he he did so in the face of you know, some of the worst market conditions we've ever seen. And so that's that's really the, one of the fundamental differences I see because I did I study institutional money managers, you know, hedge fund managers and the like. For a living, and 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 if you look at the top guys, you look at your Carl Icahn, you look at your David Teppers, you know they're buying stocks that have recently been beaten down, that they know are worth more. They're not buying stuff that's making all time new all time highs for the most part. And if people would kind of get a little bit of that contrarian attitude and just you know, I mean, assuming you're not trying to buy something for a month, right? I mean, just assuming you want to buy right. a stock you can hold for five years, ten years, uh, it's a great way to go about it. And you know, you mentioned Apple. You know, most stocks in the market, earnings are what moves the market, right? I mean, I think you'd agree with that, Bill. Right. Um, and and most stocks trade. You, know, you hear the term PE ratio, but it's it's a multiple of their earnings, right? So if a stock's going to make one dollar per share this year, it, it the stock may be traded, you know, fifteen dollars a share, sixteen dollars a share, something like that. But you know, the, the the market on average right now is trading at about sixteen to, to seventeen times forward earnings or what they're expected to make the next year. And Apple, meanwhile, is trading at about a, a, 11 times forward earnings. So mm. you know, you've got one of the best stocks in the market with very little debt, You know, the, one of the strongest uh, consumer ecosystems and, and, and consumer loyalty bases out there. 
and they're constantly buying back shares. They're trading at a really low valuation. I mean, the stock's around $110 today, and it could very, very easily be $160, $170, $180 stock next year. The same goes for GM. It's trading like six times earnings. I mean, you know, these mm-hmm. are some opportunities that they're not really being talked about. Everyone wants to follow, you know, Tesla or Amazon or one of these stocks that's just skyrocketing. But uh, quality companies that have come down in price – um, that are trading at you know valuations below that of the market is, is just one of the easiest ways to make long-term safe money in the market, and that's what I try to educate our uh, subscribers on. Yeah, and you know, and you mentioned something uh, about um, Warren Buffett, and of course, a lot of these these people like Warren Buffett, they have rules that they live by, and they have disciplines that they live by, and that's what's made them successful. Not being pulled every which way by the emotion of the marketplace. They have simple rules. What are some of the best rules or uh, guidelines that that you think a, an average investor should adopt and live by? What are some of the best things that you ever heard out there? Well, you know, I'll give you a couple of concrete ones people can actually apply and some that are more theoretical. You know, uh, if, if someone like Peter Lynch, I mean, he was a big fan of his, his philosophy was kind of invest in what you know, right? He was once quoted as saying that if you can't illustrate the idea with a crayon, you shouldn't be buying the stock. And and I like that because, you know, people get into – when you get into, uh, you know, the Enrons and some of these more exotic companies that have gone bankrupt, most people didn't understand how they made money, what their product was, what they did. All they, did, all they knew is the stock was going higher. So, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in investing in companies that you understand, you like their product or service, you use their product or service, um, you know, and you're a customer yourself. Yeah, that's That's – you know, if you use Amazon on a regular basis, you use Google or have an iPhone, or, you know, all these things that you see, feel, and touch their product and enjoy it um, are some of the best to invest in. And then, you know, when it comes to valuations, depending on how astute an investor you are, how knowledgeable you are in kind of the fundamentals of a stock and reading the numbers, uh, you know, the biggest thing is just those earnings multiples. I mean, you don't want to pay insane prices for them. So one of the rules is, you know, if I'm buying a stock, whether it's a slow, slow-growing company like a Walmart or 3M, or it's a fast-growing company like you know Amazon or some of these others, um, I try to not not to buy it at a PE ratio or an earnings multiple higher than its growth rate. So what that allows you to do is kind of pay pay more for a stock that's faster growing and is going to eventually be worth more, and not overpay for some of these staple stocks. So, you know. Those are a couple of the big rules I've got. I mean, I look at other fundamental stuff. You know, I like to get in when when we're trading near book value. I like to get into stocks um, that have recently pulled back, um, you know, especially sectors that are out of favor and things like that. You know, one of those right now is is the energy sector. I mean, we've seen crude oil come way, way, way down from you know $120 a barrel down to it got below 40 uh, in late August, and you know, it's it's great. I like it low when I'm filling up at the gas pump. You know, but if I'm looking out right. in the long term, um, do I think oil is sustainable at forty dollars a barrel? Probably not. I mean, most of the producers here domestically are losing money at those prices. It's not going to stay low forever. Uh, eventually, OPEC and the U.S. will get together and decide to cut production, which will increase prices. So I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of the hedge funds, some of the top hedge funds that have you know thirty-year track records of, of phenomenal profitability. 
begin buying in some of these energy stocks. You know, Chesaray Energy is one. Uh, you know, Exxon and BP are some of the others out there. Companies that have a proven track record of profitability that the prices are low right now because the sector's out of favor, because energy prices are low, and they're not making as much money as they normally do. And that's really when you want to get into stocks and into sectors is when they're having temporary hardship that will be overcome um, and, and then kind of ride that wave back to back to profitability. Sage advice and, and sound advice. And, of course, you can find out uh, and follow the wealth empire um, and receive the uh, a service called the 13F Insider. And tell our listeners one more time, uh, where that name came from, the 13F Insider, Ross. Yeah, so the, the site is wealthempire.com, and if you go and put your email address, I do a market video that's 9,000% free every week. We do an alternative investment piece every week. It's free. The 13F Insider is a newsletter we do. It's only like $100 a year, um, but what it does is track the flow and, and, and buying activity of top hedge funds. And The term 13F comes from – the SEC 13F filing requirement that they are required to file. And most people don't realize that, but you look at Buffett, you look at Tepper, you look at George Soros. These guys are required by law to file once a quarter a report that details exactly what stocks they own and what they've bought and sold. And it's a little bit tough to kind of dig through all of them and find it. So that's what my, I and my research team do, um, and we analyze all that data and just try to bring our subscribers – the top conviction ideas of the top investors in the world, and you know if we can't get into those at the same or better prices and beat the market, then uh, we may need to reevaluate what we're doing out there, Bill. <laughs> yeah, well, that it's fascinating. It really is fascinating. When you first told me about the concept, and I started thinking, my gosh, that is that's something our listeners should really take advantage of. Get onto wealthempire.com, learn about the 13F Insider, subscribe to it while it's still such a bargain. That is an incredible bargain for getting the information from someone who's researching other strategies and information that, that are out there. Uh, oh my gosh, what a great what a great resource, Russ. It's fascinating information and you always bring us great ideas. So uh, anything else for our listeners? What should we expect in the next couple of weeks? What do you think we'll see? Well, as far as the general market, I think we'll continue to see some choppiness. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule out the stock market pulling back down again, you know, four or five percent. It's it's definitely possible, but I would urge people just to just to remain calm from it. Don't don't let you know, the fluctuations over a couple of days worry you. And if there's some really top stocks you you've been wanting to own, you know, something you would be comfortable owning for four or five years, uh this may be a great time to get your hands on some of it. Great advice. Thanks again for joining us today, Ross. Join us anytime because uh, we, I really enjoy your your uh, you know the, the way you explain things is is understandable for our listeners and the wealth of knowledge that you bring is just fantastic. So thanks again for joining us. Look forward to the next time we talk. Bill, same here. Always a pleasure. Love your show. Keep up the good work. All right, thank you. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with another guest. So please stay with us. ExitCoachRadio.com, the information station for age 50-plus business owners, where we're interviewing top advisors for their best tips, ideas, and precautions so you can be well-planned. We upload new one-minute tips every day. ExitCoachRadio.com. Come listen for a minute.
Business owners, if you came back from lunch and there was a resignation letter on your desk, which employee would you really, really not want it to be from? What are you doing to prevent this from happening? At Exit and Retirement Strategies, we design plans that attract, motivate, and retain key employees. For a free consultation, call Bill Black, the Exit Coach, at 866-370-3774. Call today. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 